As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. The only way to score is, of course, to play uh, with a handbrake off. Hello, I'm Ian Stone. This is Handbrake Off, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by The Athletic. We're recording this on Thursday morning. That's after the Wednesday night when Arsenal had a joyous re-entry into Europe's Premier Club competition. What a confident evening it was. A 4-0 win in rather wet conditions. Uh, We'll luxuriate in how good we are uh, for the first half of this pod. And then we'll get on to the North London derby coming up on Sunday. Amy Lawrence and Adrian Clark are here as well. Morning. Hello. Good morning. Hello, hello. Sorry, I think... that sounded a bit croaky. That's <laughs> uh, all right. Well, you're, you're taking it over from me for the last four weeks. Uh, I think we can agree, by the way, that was one of the wettest nights we've ever had at the Emirates. I thought I got soaked coming into the ground until I left when I got properly wet through. So I was wondering about what's the wettest you've been at games. Um, Adrian, um <laughs> Last night was the wettest I've been at a game <laughs> on the way out. Was it last night? It was ridiculous, wasn't it? But I imagine as a player, I mean, I know even playing five aside, it's just absolutely fantastic playing in the rain. Yeah, I'll, I'll always want to play in the rain. It's it's just a thing. I think that defenders hate it, and I, I was never a defender. Didn't never had a defensive mindset, and it just feels like you can run all day or all night, especially under the lights when it's raining. It just feels right and it's all about the skid of the ball across the grass on a beautiful pitch for me um when 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 you play in the rain it's there's no better feeling we used to play with adidas tangos you remember you you remember them i'm sure the beautiful world (laughs) cup ball of 82 and 86 and whatnot and they just looked beautiful when they you spun them across that skiddy surface so yeah i always always wanted it to rain when, when, whenever I played football, hated the heat, um, loved the pouring rain. So yeah, played in many, many games where it was awful like it was last night. I don't think I played in an, an abandonment. Um, I had to come off the pitch once because it was hailstones. That was, <laughs> that was pretty dangerous. That was a bit hairy. All right. Yeah. Uh- Amy, can you top that? By the way, uh, defenders might hate the rain, but William Saliba looked pretty comfortable last night, didn't he? This is true. I just think we should uh, take a moment to acknowledge. Amy, what's the wettest you've ever been at a game? Was last night the one? 
No, not at all. They were both overseas. You know me, I can't have one answer. The first one was uh, at AC Milan, and, and, and in my youth, my dream was to go and watch a game at San Siro. And uh, I went into railing when I finished school, and it included uh, the pilgrimage to San Siro. I went on my own, it was extremely, it was like Mecca, you know, it felt like a religious experience. And it absolutely did what it can, you know, can do in Milan. And uh, the game got abandoned, tragically. And I remember, yeah, you know, when you remember strange little details, the detail I remember, apart from being very upset that I'd made my pilgrimage and didn't last the full game, was that um, walking back to try and get uh, away from the stadium, I had some sort of fairly flimsy, pathetic espadrille type summer shoes on and they broke in the rain because there was so much rain the the shoes just completely disintegrated so I was walking barefoot through the streets of Milan after an abandoned match <laughs> the I, joys can't, of football. I can't imagine a worse form of footwear to wear in the rain than espadrilles well, I didn't really I I wasn't, it was a bit like last night you think first game of the group stage Champions League September you know should still be summery and in your mind's eye, it, it should be a beautiful evening. Um, so, yeah, there were a lot of people that weren't quite prepared for the, you know, the foot. And the, the other the one? Torrents. The other one was in Madagascar, which was also a game that was called off by rain. And at half time, the heavens opened in a kind of tropical storm. And when the referee came out for the second half, he was wading, literally. It's about waist deep. <laughs> <laughs> what were you doing watching football in Madagascar? Yeah, oh, it was we could be here for an hour. Yeah, I know. Let's get <laughs> on to right. Arsenal. But suffice it to say, it was a it was an extraordinary memory. And um, yeah, the sight of the referee waist high in water, and all the crowd were just laughing, which was very sweet. Space of plenty on the edge of the box. Odegaard! <laughs> the golden vision of Arsenal's future. The captain. Martin Odegaard. Arsenal beat PSV Eindhoven 4-0 back in the Champions League. The players apparently had the theme music playing at the training ground. Uh, I think we can safely assume, can we not, that no one has ever played the Europa League theme tune at any training ground? (laughs) I mean, I might be wrong about that. It was a bit of overkill. I don't remember them. Adrian, I don't remember them playing it half-time and then full-time. Do you, the last time we were in the Champions League? I think they've sort of upped, upped it a bit. They have. They're milking it, aren't they? Um, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's um, the training ground. I mean, Mikael loves, loves something like that, doesn't he? Obviously, with the crowd noise at Anfield and stuff. But but look, whatever he did in the prep for this game, it, it works because oh, that was that was a, a really scintillating performance for the most part. I loved it. I thought the quality of our football was, was so good to watch. Yeah, we were very good. I mean, we actually had a a message from Jonathan Wade who tweeted just before we came on air. He goes, the best thing about that performance will be the opening of the next Handbrake Off podcast when I will be telling Amy and Adrian that the bookies had it wrong. We're not false favourites, but surely the favourites. All right, Jonathan, I think you have me wrong here, Okay, (laughs) I I am an optimist and I do enjoy watching our team and we did look very good. Uh, Amy, you're... Uh, Ms. Reality Check, I think we can say. <laughs> Are you going to say that PSV just aren't that good, or did you also do it? Should we luxuriate in our performance a little bit long before we do that? Oh, Arsenal were stunning. Arsenal were stunning, but I'm 
I'm not sure that automatically equates with um, <laughs> propelling the team to be favourites or even still for favourites. Um, I feel a bit uh, trucker trucker about that and like let's let's have a, a, a wait until Arsenal are somewhere near the semi-finals before we talk talk about being one of the best four teams in the competition potentially. However, flawless almost yesterday, and I think what was so enjoyable was you felt that the 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 shackles were off you felt that some of the kind of stuff that goes on in the psyche or whether it's trying to uh, uh, concentrate differently or face different tactical difficulties or just feel free and relaxed enough to play your best football in the Premier League it hasn't been exhibition stuff in any of the league games at all and to go from that to a kind of I just think when you see the players playing with such smiles on their faces, such such freedom of expression, such palpable enjoyment, uh, it must be a wonderful feeling for them, as well as those of us that are blessed to watch it, to be in that zone where you're just out there, everything's coming off, everything feels good, you're very connected with your teammates, the football is fast, sharp, effective, imaginative, just, it was a, a top quality performance across the pitch. And, you know, you can, you can rave about the, the front players, obviously, uh, for their contributions to the goals and so on. But, you know, even there were moments where you just, the majesty of Saliba, the, the relentlessness of Ben White in the way that he just kind of, Cafu-like almost in that pendolino, the train going up and down and up and down. He's got an incredible capacity to just monster up and down that flank all game long with a great deal of confidence. Even Raya, and that's a subject I'm sure we'll get onto later, um, had a really interesting aura about him. The way that he would catch the ball and it stuck. And he just seemed to have a, a bit of different sort of confidence and charisma in the way that he was playing. It just felt like the whole team was couldn't wait to be in the Champions League and it was as if it was a marker where they thought, we need to show who we are. And it's allowed them to show who they are in a way that they hadn't quite found yet this season in the Prem. So I'm going to be really interested to see if they can transfer some of that energy into the league games as well. Well, we've got North London Derby uh, coming up on Sunday. I must say, Adrian, it's very encouraging uh, to hear Amy mention Trucker Trucker this early in the season. It just shows <laughs> Yeah, she's gone early. <laughs> it didn't bring us any blooming luck though, did it? The old Trucker Trucker. Yeah, I know. You should have just it's, been it, bragging it about it. it. Yeah, <laughs> but it was, it's, it's a coping mechanism, Adrian. It's I know, not I know. necessarily about bringing you luck. No, that's fair enough. But Adrian, Amy's right. This yeah. does not look like a team feeling their way back into the competition. I mean, they came out... Obviously, it helps playing a team like PSV who just went, yeah, we're going to give you a game. And we went, brilliant. We can't wait for that because most teams haven't. But they really, they look so sharp. Is That's the word, isn't it, in those first two minutes? And you thought, oh, yeah, here's a performance. Yeah, no, definitely. I think that, that stylistically, they were a great match for us because their, their head coach is an idealist that wants to play attacking possession football. And he didn't care that that, that would potentially open up his side or it didn't seem that he cared that it would open up his side you know to, to Arsenal and 
and we we made them pay. They looked incredibly open. They weren't very physical, and I think that that Gabriel Jesus in particular reveled in his role at the top end of the pitch. He just had too much swagger, too much skill, too much aggression for for PSV, and. Yeah, there was so much of it I liked. I, I liked the way that we were switching the ball across our face of our own goal. And I normally hate that because it's so risky. But because of the way PSV were closing us down, they left that far fullback spare. So we were calm enough to just pass, pass, pass. Oh, the spare man is on the other side of the pitch. I'll just clip it across. And never did we ever really look in danger. And yeah, I love the front three. We used your tweet, Amy, on the Breakdown Live last night um, in the post-match because I, I was talking about the front three and how they won us the game in that first half. And, and then up, up popped your tweet about them not, not starting together before. Is that correct? I think you'd written something along those well, along those lines. I don't, th- I don't think so. I mean, to be fair, I, I might have even been wrong. I didn't do fact-check. But I just thought Jesus was out for for pretty much the end of last season and has only just come yeah, back. Okay. So I could yeah, yeah, see yeah. how he played Seemed with Trossard. Right. From the yeah, but it was, yeah, it was, you were waxing lyrical about the front three and rightly so. Erdegaard was I mean, just so good. So good. Right. I mean, oh, is, hang on a is, minute. Yeah, hang is there a better, no, let's, let's, let's talk, talk about him briefly. I mean, is there a better player in his position in, in the league? I don't think there is. Well, not when he's not when he's playing not when he's playing like that. I mean, he so just comfortable has, on the ball. Yeah, yeah. He he just he just he, that's exactly what it is. But such perpetual motion with him. Mm. That's the thing. It's not just I'm good on the ball. It's you know the the hunger and his work rate leads the you know, press as well. Moving. He's doesn't always he? showing for the ball. Yeah. He wants it all the time. No one made more yeah. passes than him. No one made more accurate passes than Martin Odegaard in the game. Now, normally. It's a centre-half or, you know, the guys at the back that are knocking it around playing those easy five, ten-yard passes. Well, in this match, Erdegaard made 64 accurate passes. It was the most. He made 29 accurate passes in the final third. The most. Final third entries, the most. Loved his connection with Saka. He passed to Saka more than he passed to anyone else, 12 times. And Saka passed to Martin more than he passed to anyone else which was 10 times. So seeing two players that good looking for each other, combining, was was fun to watch. And uh, PSV, <laughs> they, they couldn't live with them. No. Abby, our producer, said she saw a tweet that reminded us that we bought Martin Erdegaard for less than we sold Alex Iwobi. So, uh, and, I, you know, I always liked Iwobi, decent player, but... I think it's interesting when we talk about value, uh, Martin Odegaard and what he's bought. And he's been talking, he's been interviewed, talking about how he loved the Arsenal and he always used to, when he played FIFA <laughs> years ago, and he used to uh, used to be the uh, yeah used to be the manager of the team, and he would uh, he would choose Arsenal because he always had a connection, and it's great. I love the way that he stays on. He, I mean, there weren't a lot of fans left a bit early uh, last night. Uh, but he was there walking around the pitch. Um, wonderful footballer, I think we can all agree. Uh, Gabriel Jesus, Adrian, you mentioned him. Amy, it does make me wonder how much we missed him for those two or three months that he was out after the World Cup last year. When I see what he did, it was his first start. Jack Lang did a Champions League debrief on the Athletic website 
saying, I think what we've all known for some time uh, is that he he makes this team better and he makes he elevates everyone around him. Ah, uh, he was uh, he was electric, and that dynamism he he brought that. It's it's waspish. It's mosquito like. He's just buzzing around, constantly, looking for the kill, sort of thing. And and the kill might be a touch or a, or, or just a, causing a bit of chaos around defenders or pulling people out of the way to make space for others. As much as it will be a run or a, or a, a, a clever touch or or a shot. Um, I'm fascinated to see how much more there is in him. And just when we're talking about Erdegaard there, when I was watching Erdegaard last night, I was thinking to myself, there were, he kept doing things that I was thinking he wouldn't have done that when he first came in that loan spell. You know, as promising and obviously quality that he was when he first came, he did not have the same feeling of being one million percent comfortable in his own skin which is what he feels now, and that enables him to go out and be a, a leader in the team. It enables him to be the person that makes things happen, the person that is driving and, uh, you know, ha- has a kind of orchestrating effect on, on the game. And when he came, he was a bit more of a luxury player that could do beautiful things with a football. But I kept thinking to myself, like, influence it, like, be the guy who makes the difference. And you look at him now, and that is tattooed across his forehead while he's playing football. And you just sometimes get a magic when a player finds he's in his right place and he's in and he's in his right zone to 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 just do everything that he can possibly do. And I look at Jesus, and you know, essentially he had what half a season, wasn't it? Really, uh, more or less, and and then was out. And I just remember when he was first bought that the the feeling and the thinking from the pe- the decision makers at the club was that there could be a better Jesus. They weren't just buying a Man City Jesus, but they were trying to they were buying a player that they thought had more and could be you know more of a leading figure of the attack, take more responsibility, score more goals. And I just curious over this next season to see if a bit like Martin the first six months are a bit of an adaptation adjustment you know coming in and then you hit your comfort I don't say comfort zone in a bad way I mean comfort zone in a good way it's like everything feels fantastic and see what what comes next because potentially it's really exciting he was brilliant yesterday and he could have scored more uh his goal was phenomenal he was so involved in the uh, in the whole rest of the way he blended together with the players around him. And it was that feeling I felt in the first few games of the season, a lot of what Arsenal were doing going forward was almost waiting for one someone else to do the damage. And yesterday it felt like, let's all do it together, guys. We're doing it as a gang. We're hunting people down together. Yeah. Adrian, I mean, the way that Amy's talking there about Martin Erdegaard, we forget how young he is. We forget how young most of them are. That was a, it was a very young team that we finished with last night. And 
at the potential. I mean, maybe we haven't even started to see what the potential might be with this team. No, I don't think many of the players are at their peak yet, are they? And including Gabriel Jesus, Martin Erdegaard, guys like that. You know, they're coming into their prime, aren't they? And and with Gabriel Jesus, remember, he was often a substitute. He was never the main man at Manchester City. And, and yeah, once he stays fit and, and establishes that position as our main man up top. I, I can only see him getting better and better. I just think that when, when Jesus plays with that level of swagger, he is arguably the the hardest player to mark of, of any Premier League player just because he's he, everything about him screams handful when he plays in that way. And I just want to see it week in, week out now. I want him to stay fit and... And 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 for that to be the norm, um, it's going to be hard He's to keep up that standard. But it's going to be hard to keep up that level. But yeah, if he can, we've got ourselves a very very special striker. I almost when you talk about players who you know have got more to come, I almost feel like there's pinch yourself moments with William Saliba where I just don't see how he can be any better. I mean, this guy, twenty two, twenty two. What 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 he did. <laughs> When he was running backwards, tracking that PSV opponent and then just completely deceived him by chopping the ball back and then flip-flapping past someone else. But it was it was an absurd thing for a centre-back to do so so calmly. He's just... A st- I, I do find myself thinking, you know, how's he playing for Arsenal? In some ways, like, that's like amazed feeling that you sometimes would have with... Vieira or Henri, where you think Arsenal have somehow landed upon, you know, the guy who's met, who's unique and maybe the best in their position around. No, it's true. It feels like that with him. Saliba, Odegaard and Saka will be three of the most coveted players on the planet. No doubt about it. it they're, they're Declan the Rice as well, by the way. Yeah, probably. Yeah, but yeah, those, those three will, might be subject to interest in the next couple of years from... From clubs even bigger than us, but but yeah, I've loved love watching all of them. Yeah, um, Emil Smith Rowe came on. Uh, Mikel Arteta said uh, he, he found it very emotional. The crowd certainly were very very happy. Um, I mean, I mean, he looked a little bit rusty, but he still got involved in a fourth goal, and it's and it's great to see. Uh, Amy, you have a sort of, uh, I have to say, maternal smile on your face <laughs> to, when we're talking <laughs> about Emil Smith Rowe. I think we all feel a little bit like that. I mean, we just hope that he gets more game time, right? Oh, I mean, I, it, that was possibly my favourite moment of a very good night, just from a sort of soppy sentimental point of view, but. Uh, he was warming up and, you know, I think there have been quite a few games lately. And really, even at 3-0 down at half-time, you could have made a case to say, well, rest people, bring on, you know, whoever else. Uh, and it's like, oh, surely you bring on Emile Smith-Rowe. And I think the first couple of subs came on and he wasn't in that group, was he? And then he was warming up and the, where the press box is, uh, you're uh, just behind the dugout a little bit across um, with the fans all around you and everybody clocked that he'd been called over and actually that was almost the nicest moment he's there in his bib and uh, he started trotting back to the bench and everybody was just like Wah! this lovely roar went up and uh, it was really lovely to see him get back on the pitch and while he was rusty I also thought he was pretty lively as well he was bright 
And he has got, I think, in his particular style, certain movements, the way he's always so forward-looking and he's, you know, he's, he's bouncy. And, uh, yeah, I think, he, I think he is capable of offering something different to Arsenal's other attackers. And I really, really hope that he gets, uh, gets the chances to, to play his way back into, into something resembling his full form because that's only be a good thing for him and for Arsenal. But it's an interesting one because we were talking last night about the difference between making ruthless decisions and sentimentality. And I think what fans feel is obviously different to what coaches and managers have to feel. You know, they can't be sentimental when they're making their decisions. And, you know, we've got one right now with the goalkeepers where it's really hard to reconcile the kind of minuscule factors that are making the coaches make a really, really hard decision from what feels like a very uh, almost upsetting situation sentimentally because all the crowd have a good relationship now with Ramsdale. You know, they, they the connection is really deep and he's so loved as a person and a character as well as as a footballer. And that's, it's just, it's just one of the complexities that, that's why you've got to look to the manager and, and sometimes just sit back and wait because they're making those decisions without sentimentality because I guess they have to if you're looking for every tiny weeny percentage of improvement that you think is possible. Adrian, you're an ex-player. Sentimentality doesn't really come into it, does it? I mean, like I say it does. As Amy said, it does for the crowd. I mean, there was it was really an arm moment when uh, when Emil Smith Rowe came on. But um, as for David Raya being in goal instead of uh, of Aaron Ramsdale, they, they're looking at marginal gains, aren't they? Of course they are. Yeah, yeah. You can't afford to to be sentimental about these decisions. That's why managers have to keep their distance. You you foster that togetherness, and you are one of the lads if you're the gaffer to a point. But there's always that line, and you can't get too close to these players because. You've got to make these hard decisions from time to time. And yeah, it was pretty brutal on Aaron in terms of the fact that he helped us get to the Champions League, you know. And and there he is sitting it out on the, on the opening night. He'd have been gutted. And of course, David Raya looked good again. Uh, kept a clean sheet again. Two performances, two clean sheets. Didn't really have any hard saves to make either, did he? So he's been quite fortunate in that, that regard. But he did have an aura about him, um, Raya. Yeah, it's. I just think managers have to do what's right for the team and what's right for the club. They can't really look beyond that. We can argue whether we we feel it's right or wrong, but none of it really matters. If he thinks it's right for the for the team, we just got to respect it as supporters and and it's not and and support Aaron Ramsdale like we did Emil last night. Give him an amazing ovation, and when Aaron plays, whether it's Sunday or or one of the other games. We'll give him that that love too, but I can't sit here and criticise Mikel Arteta for doing this because I think he's doing it with the best interests of the team at heart. And it's not like there isn't a good team spirit at the Arsenal at the moment anyway. You can see it. Uh, it, it all seems... Vibes FC. Make no mistake, Aaron will be upset. Aaron will be upset. Yeah. He won't be happy. Yeah. But yeah. what choice have you got? You've got to... You can either sulk about it or you use it as fuel to get better 
And that's the only choice he's got. I think the initial, he might even be angry. I don't know. He might be feeling a bit angry today, this week. But as long as that doesn't stay with him, as long as he then parks that and says, right, I've got to be better then. And then and he works doubly hard to, to improve. That, that's all he can do. And this is all, by the way, based on the assumption that David Raya is now the number one because no one has taken <laughs> taken what Mikel Arteta said about alternating goalkeepers at face value. Uh, I think uh, Tyre, who used to produce this podcast, said to me last night, well, you're living in cloud cuckoo land if you think that. Um, I don't know. Maybe Aaron Ramsdale will start the North London derby uh, on Sunday. And by the way, we will talk about that uh, in a very short while. This is Handbreak Off. The Arsenal podcast brought to you by The Athletic. Hello there, Ayo Akimolera here. Listen to me on The Athletic Football Podcast, where I've just spoken to our Barcelona writer, Paul Bayus, about how Xavi's Barcelona got their groove back. Available now on Apple, Spotify and all the usual places. Just search The Athletic Football Podcast now. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is supported by Season 3 of FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League 2 after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher division. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenges and rise again into League 1? FX is Welcome to Wrexham. Catch all new episodes Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. We were a bit uh, with the handbrake at time. Ian Stone, Amy Lawrence and Adrian Clark here on the Athletics Arsenal podcast Handbrake Off. Uh, now, before we talk about the North London derby, there are just a handful of tickets left for our live show. And I do mean a handful. Uh, you can see me, Amy, Adrian and James McNicholas, uh, Gunner Blog uh, and possibly special guests as well. Talk all things Arsenal. Uh, head to leicestersquaretheatre.com forward slash handbrake dash off to get your tickets today. That's leicestersquaretheatre.com forward slash handbrake dash off. Uh, now we do have a um, small matter of a North London derby on Sunday afternoon. Informed Spurs, really, coming to the Emirates for what is sure to be an emotional affair. 
Now, Adrian, we have no idea what team Mikel Arteta will pick, and the truth <laughs> no is, we have to. We have a, We don't, do we? We have a squad, though, don't we? I mean, we noticed last night we brought on some high quality players. I want to just talk about that, really. How do they? How does he keep them all happy in this situation? Because you've been in this situation where you've been in the team, you've been out the team, and obviously, you said Aaron. We were just talking about before the break about Aaron Ramsdale maybe feeling angry or feeling a bit low, but. We're going to have a lot of games coming up and he's going to rotate a little bit and it's a squad game now. Yeah, exactly. He, he, he brought on players last night that that we haven't seen a lot of. So he kept he kept them happy and they've had a little taste of it. They've been out there on the pitch and you know, they've been part of a good win. So that, that works well. Look, the dressing rooms are normally absolutely fine when the team are winning and, and, and everything's ticking over nicely you know everyone just wants to be a part of it and and yeah Mikel Arteta is going to have to rotate more this season it's a big challenge for him but I don't know from from the bits that we've seen of him on the documentary and and just generally he's a pretty good people person and I think I think he'll manage the situation fine um yeah it won't be an issue I don't think the team will be dramatically different actually for for the North London derby I think there's a chance Aaron Ramsdale might play. I don't think I'd change any of the back four. Certainly wouldn't change Declan Rice or Erdegaard or Jesus or Saka or Trossard. <laughs> so there's only no, really a couple of places. For Havertz, isn't it? There's a couple really, of places yeah. up for grabs. That's that's about it, I think. Amy? Adrian, you, you just mentioned there that when teams are winning that you know dressing rooms tend to be fairly tickety-boo. But I was just wondering, going slightly off at a tangent... When things are not going well, like how bitchy does it get? Like, in all seriousness, yeah. like I'm quite curious. You know, it, it, do you sense people sniping at each other, either behind their backs or or to their face, or do people try quite hard to, you know, keep things positive and try and improve? Or is it? I don't know. What's it like? What's it like when it's a really bad run? Yeah, I think it's. I suspect it's I suspect it's a bit different these days. It's just the attitude of younger players these days is is much different. There are bigger squads, of course, so there's more probably more acceptance of being in and out of the team than there used to be. Um, but yeah, you get good dressing rooms, you get bad dressing rooms. Amy, in a good dressing room, it's a collective. There's a genuine collective spirit there where the subs will be as happy as the starters. Underneath, when they get home, they'll probably be a little bit annoyed. But because it's a good dressing room, because it's united and everyone knows that's there's something going on that's nice and special, then you leave it. You don't bitch. But I've also been in bad dressing rooms where you get it all the time. And the, and the manager, you get clicks that are slamming the manager, other clicks that are, that are you know, saying this and that about teammates. Yeah, I've seen it all, really. Um, and it's... It makes such a difference. I, I don't. This Arsenal dressing room is clearly a, a very united oh, one. But our previous dressing room, um, the one that Mikel Arteta has um, disassembled, dismantled, <laughs> dismantled, yeah. disassembled. Um, that dressing room, without a doubt, will have had little comments being made on a regular basis and. And not much social activity, I suspect, between them either. Um, yeah, I think that that this group is is more of one, and and you know it matter it does it does matter. Um, but the club have have done a good job at 
at finding a, a group of lads that actually gel. I think that's that's as important as anything. I do think it's a really interesting phase of Arteta's evolution as a manager as well, because, you know, I guess when he first came in, as you say, there's that period of just trying to clear, a cleanse, you know, a bad situation. And then you start to build something more positive. But really, until sort of round about now, where you've got a group which are almost exclusively Mikel Arteta players, uh, you know, only Elneny really precedes it and Saka, although he hadn't really played, you know, a great deal prior to Mikel coming, albeit he had already involved himself in the team. And um, you, you just feel that, say, compared to the last season or so, where there was maybe a bit more of an acceptance of who were the top players and who were maybe, you know, the ones who knew deep down that they're only coming in if there's a need Whereas I think now he has built towards this situation, which does need very careful management of, of everyone more or less feels that they've got, should have a shout, a legitimate shout for most games. And therefore, it's not as straightforward because you do have to work that bit harder to, to maintain this sense of togetherness and that everybody's valued and that everybody's important. And I... I, I just noticing how much he talks about starters and finishers lately and the fact that he was able to bring on a number, you know, that you can bring on five subs these days is a real help in this situation because you can make those players who start off on the bench, you've got a, a great avenue to make them feel like a, a, a really important part of everything. Yeah. Um, when I played, there were three subs and two only two could get on and normally one of them was a goalie. That's, this was in the mid-90s. So there's a lot of players that didn't even make the bench and that, that, is, when, that is when players get the hump, when, when they work all week. They work all week and then they're not even in the squad. But because the matchday squad is so much bigger now, I, th- I do think it, it helps. Adrian, you said that players would rather start, but I mean, me, and, me and Amy have talked about this and we've talked on this pod as well about starters and finishers. I think the idea initially came from the rugby, actually. But it, it's, it's you know, when, when games are lasting 105 minutes sometimes in the Premier League, you're going to get 30, 35 minutes. And I know you said that players would rather start, but it, you only got 11 positions. Yeah, yeah, exactly. and, and so maybe the mindset of the players is changing now from how it, how it was when you played. Yeah, definitely. But it's they're all involved on a match day. They're training and then they're involved. Whether they play, come off, come off, come on, or they're sub-unused, at least there's a whole bunch of them that are heavily involved. Um, and with so many cup games, yeah, there's more scope, isn't there, for, for game time. So I don't think it's going to be a big issue. No, and we did see Mo and uh, and Cedric walking around the pitch after the game clapping. So it's nice that they're still uh, <laughs> still involved. They're still feeling like they have some involvement because they ain't going to get much game time. Adrian, I want to ask you uh, briefly about the game. We haven't really talked about the game on Sunday. We're just in we're in a good place and we're looking forward to it as much as you can look forward to a North London derby. Will people? Will Ange Postecoglou, for example, the Tottenham manager? I know you write the opposition preview mm. for the program. Mm. Will he look at the way that PSV played and go, there is no way we're going to come out and we're going to attack them because they will kill us. They will get in behind us and they will kill us as we did with PSV last night. Is it low block and go-go from now on against us? (laughs) I don't think so with Postacoglu, actually. 
I don't think he's just going to rip up his plan A for this game. I think he's worked really, really hard to revolutionise Tottenham's tactical approach. And that is what he's done. He's completely transformed them. And I don't think, <laughs> I think it would be a little bit odd of him to actually say, actually, forget what that stuff I've been telling you. Now we're doing a low block. So no, I think they will attack us. And I think that they will play the same way. And in my opinion, it will afford us the opportunity to create some good chances in the game. They will create chances against us. I've got no doubt about that. They are bold and adventurous. They'll play out from the back. But they're giving up a lot of chances still. A lot of chances. So I think I think we'll create enough. I think it'll be another cracking game, another game of goals. But I just I just feel that we're more than capable of outscoring them. That's how I see it. Well, quite, quite. Amy, are you are you looking forward to it? I mean, I've sort of alluded to the fact that it's hard to look forward to a North London derby, but you know what? We're we couldn't really be in a much better place. The way we played last night, how we started the season. Um, I don't know. My main feeling with games now is bring it on. I wouldn't say I ever really look forward to a North London derby in the same way because there's always that kind of yin yang feeling of excitement, but equally matched by paranoia and anxiety so um I'm usually quite pleased when they're over I usually do you know I don't know we have we've been quite lucky in having quite a few actually that have been enjoyable um in recent years going back to the five twos obviously they are not enjoyable when you're behind but once the tide turns it's just been you know hilarious and and ultra fun I'm looking forward to it but not unreservedly (laughs) that makes sense. I can't wait to get back to the Emirates, to be honest. I love watching this team and especially with the joy that they played last night and that. Well, I'm I'm definitely feeling better about it after last night than I was before because uh, I I definitely had some concern about the lack of fluency and tempo in some of the league matches this season and I I don't feel like Arsenal had, had really had a convincing 90 minutes in them at all until last night when they were totally convincing so that really helps. Well, Spurs will give us some hairy moments. I'm, I'm quite confident of that. But I just think player for player, we are still quite quite superior to them. I don't think I'd have many of their players in our team. I don't, I don't think... I'm just thinking about it. I don't like combined 11s and stuff like that. But, oh, this but is if a you dangerous road it, to go down, Adrian. <laughs> no, 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 I know. But, no, but, no, but, and, and I know that Spurs... Spurs no, look, Spurs, Spurs are capable of beating us because they're capable, they're capable of scoring goals. So... I'll put that out there, but player for player, I think maybe Madison for for Havertz is probably the only one that from their team that that I would put in ours at the moment. Yeah, genuinely. Yeah. Would you have bought Madison? So we're favourites, and we're and we're favourites for a reason. Would you have bought hmm? Madison? Do you think? At the price, at the price mm. for sure. Yeah, I've always liked Madison, um, and he would have been a better fit probably than Kai Havertz in that left side number 10 type role or number 8 type role um, settled in very well hasn't it at, at Tottenham yeah I think he was a bargain yeah I do I would have been interested in him for sure well it's a sliding doors moment it didn't happen and uh, we'll see and and there were some encouraging moments for Kai Havertz last night especially one time when he brought the ball down and the whole crowd just said oh yeah oh yeah you can play a little bit let's have a song to end I've gone for a rain theme 
uh, as it, well, I just I don't think I've ever been as wet, like I say. So I've gone with uh, a song that comedians all love. Uh, I'm on, uh, I'm only happy when it rains uh, by Garbage. That's me, Amy. What you got? I've been listening to quite a lot of seventies funk uh, this week, and uh, there's a group called Ohio Players, and a really great number called Players Balling. And I felt like Arsenal's players were balling yesterday, big style. And just because this was, I was looking uh, up a bit more about the Ohio players, I'll share this little story because I thought it was unusual. Their founder singer was a guy called Robert Ward. And it says, Ward proved to be an unreliable leader who would sometimes walk off stage during gigs, forcing the group to stop playing. Eventually, the group vowed to keep playing even after he left. Ward and one of his uh, bandmates got into a fist fight after which the group broke up. Anyway, but it's there good you song. Go. And players balling, <laughs> well worth a listen. All right, can't have, a, can't have a singer like that in the dressing room, can you? <laughs> no, I ain't. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, no. And, and I'm assuming that balling, by the way, is double L rather than WL. Um, but, uh, yes, 100%. Assumption. It is. Ball, okay, balling, fair enough. Uh, Adrian, what you got? Amy used the word earlier. That, that best summed up the performance because I, I used it on the show last night and that was electric it was I think the, the, the atmosphere was electric the performance was electric I don't really like that many of the songs that have electric in the title other than this one which is She's Electric by Oasis so um, I, I, I like that song um, I know that it's it's a he rather than a she you could say it about Oasis you could uh, say it about Jesus you could say it about Erdegaard uh, they were all electric so that's where I'm going this time about together in electric dreams oh. it was on my shortlist yeah I, wasn't, oh. I, I don't know if I like Didn't it make it off your yeah. shortlist well, this is, Amy oh. this is what makes the world go round okay different taste. <laughs> it's nice <laughs> and by the way somebody was uh, somebody uh, mentioned is there a playlist of Amy's songs not oh, no. uh, Adrian I should note yours she loved. Mine. she loved that tweet Amy's, I know she, she liked it did you retweet it repost no, it as well I mean no Amy she did she actually had it blown up in neon on the front of her house if you go around Islington you'll now, see you know what I'm going to make a playlist maybe and call it not Adrian's playlist how about that <laughs> 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 All right. Well, we can have this out. Adrian, I love you really. We can. Come on, we're all together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, this is how dressing rooms go, in it. It's Billy Big Bollocks. It's Amy. I don't know if there is an equivalent. Anyway, that's it for. I'm going to go and knock on the manager's door, Stonish. After this. No, there's stars and there's finishers. It's it's okay. We're we're all valued members. That's it. But might be fights over the over the music system in our dressing room. To be fair, who's in charge of the music? That's quite a big. Isn't that a big thing in dressing rooms, Adrian? Who's in charge of the music? Yeah, but there's no. There's normally someone that's that's sort of almost voted in. Like everyone. Yeah, there's normally someone that's accepted. Adrian, did you ever? 
Did you ever no way. No, I didn't. No, apparently not. Amy would almost insist on being in charge of the music, wouldn't she, really? She has... Uh, anyway, that's it. That is, I think, finally it for Handbrake Off. Uh, thank you to uh, Amy, thank you to Adrian, and thank you to Abby, uh, our producer. And we'll see you after the North London derby. Ta-ra. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic.